Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello everyone, welcome to Talking Tourism. I'm today's host, Rachel Williams. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania brings you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. The TICT is, of course, the peak body for tourism operators in this beautiful state of Tasmania. And each episode of Talking Tourism has been dealing with a specific tourism-related topic with tips and advice for improving your tourism business. And today is no different. We're joined by the beautiful Bianca Welsh from Stillwater Restaurant and the new Stillwater 7 accommodation business. Welcome, Bianca. Thank you very much for having me. How's it all going? I'm assuming you're gearing up for a busy period. Yes, we are. It's um, it's it's all hands on deck at the moment, trying to get recruitment and training and, and getting everything ready for what we call grand final week. Um, it's that Christmas New Year period. It's like you could pick any of any other busiest week of the year and almost triple that for that particular week. So getting all the staff um, ready for the crazy period. You're being a hard taskmaster yes. then, I'm assuming. <laughs> I am. <laughs> well, we're going to have a little chat, obviously, about um, your business in particular with the uh, accommodation now, which is a, a new business and the, the Stillwater restaurant, which is a bit of a um, an icon and the Tasmanian (laughs) food landscape. But we're also going to talk about something a little bit uh, different today as well, which a lot of people might not be aware of. Um, But you're actually very highly involved in the mental health um, sphere. Mm -hmm. Um, You've just finished a degree at university. Tell us a little bit about what that was. Um, So I just graduated last year uh, at UTAS with a Bachelor of Behavioural Science um, that's now called Psychological Sciences. Um, I'm hoping to do one year of honours and that will get me my Bachelor of Psychology. So it's a bit of a convoluted way to basically say I have a degree in psychology. <laughs> wow. How do you fit it all in? You must be the busiest person in the world. You've got a beautiful young boy. You've got these businesses that you're running, including Black Cow mm-hmm. as well, and university and being a wife. Yeah, and I sit on three boards. Um, one of those is Cornerstone Youth Services. So, uh, again, in that mental health sphere, we're the lead agency for Headspace in the north of Tasmania. Um, it's a juggle. I certainly couldn't survive without amazing grandparent help and a supportive husband and business partners. Um, but I was very driven to – I promised myself if I wasn't enjoying – the content of what I was studying, I'd just stop. I just wouldn't see it through to the end. But each semester I was really enjoying um, the content. I was learning so much and I just wanted to keep on going with it. So what's the the reason behind why you decided to to branch out and to, to get that greater understanding about how this beautiful brain of ours works? So quite a few years ago, it was early on in my journey of being a business owner, um, I had an amazing staff member, um, a casual staff member who performed at a very high level, um, was really reliable, um, you know, very thorough and engaged. And then suddenly um, she just started to become disengaged, um, making a lot of silly mistakes, was being a bit vague, uh, was becoming very unreliable. And it became we, the the other staff members and myself became aware that her she had um, an underlying eating disorder and that had come into the workplace because of subsequently because of some stressful situations in her personal life and because it was happening at work I 
I knew I had to do something. I couldn't just pretend that it wasn't my problem. It was upsetting the other team, the rest of the team. It was um, potentially being exposed to customers because um, we have public toilets where the staff use the the, the guest toilets as well in the restaurant. Um, and I just stressed myself out with it so much as to how to approach her, whether or not I should approach her, how do I say it. Um, I Googled a whole heap of stuff and I couldn't really find anything. And you know, this was a long time ago. It took me seven years to get my degree part-time. Um, uh, so you know, this is going back quite a long way um, and the material just wasn't accessible. Um, and so I just sat on it for sort of five, six weeks and I finally decided to approach her um, and just have a, a sort of a very broad conversation. Um, and from that, I was very lucky that the conversation went very well um, and she admitted to having um, an eating disorder and that ha- it had reared its head. It was a, a thing she had when she was younger and she was like, you know, thank you very much for bringing it to my attention, you know, for for bringing it to the surface and, and she went and got help, saw her, her doctor and, um, you know, was back on track and uh, and she's actually now a doctor herself. Wow. Um, and that just made me feel like I wanted to know more for my team to be the best possible manager that I could be. I knew that going forward it probably wasn't the last time I'd see something similar or a, a different mental illness um, and I wanted to be able to help that and understand and, and not just close the door or cut her hours or, you know, make it out that it's not my problem. No. And that's the thing as well. I'm assuming a small business, um, any small tourism business, you're always like family, aren't you? You spend yes. so much time yes. with one another, seeing the good sides and the bad sides. How important is it to actually take that leap and ask, we hear, are you okay, um, thrown about as a mantra all the time. But the actual act of doing that is a really challenging thing for some people, especially Absolutely. perhaps, um, for example, an, an older male boss to a younger female employee might not have received the same results. Yeah, it's really, it's a really tricky space. It's a very daunting space, I think, as a particularly as a business owner, you've got so many things going on, you know, just trying to pay the bills and, and keep everyone happy. I think it's very easy for um, people people to think it's in the too hard basket because ultimately if you do the right thing by your team and you make them feel engaged and in a comfortable space that they can talk about these sorts of things and you might not be able to help them but they might at least feel as though they're valued and that they're being heard um, they might have to suffer in that mental illness for a long time and and you've um, you might not be able to improve the situation, but at least you've tried. Um, and that will go so far in terms of your relationship and for your business. They will become such loyal people. You will um, ultimately retain so many more staff. Um, and as a business owner, um, it, sound, it could sound a bit cold, but it is, it is helping your bottom line because you're able to maintain and retain those really great staff. Well, I think all the best research and statistics show if you've got a happy and healthy workplace and you, um, you will then have the flow through of having happy, productive Absolutely, staff. exactly. The research is definitely out there. The, the productivity that you'll get, the engagement, um, and particularly we're in a customer service industry. You have to have your team being able to engage with your guests and that's across the board in restaurants and hotels, in tourism, um, you know, tourism 
uh, tours and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Like it, you've it's just got so to switch important. on, don't you? You go to work, and whether you're feeling low and miserable, you've got that customer service um, expectation that you're going to be happy and bubbly and helpful. That's right. But that's really hard for some people, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I re- I liken it to the stage. You know, I used to do dancing and theatre, and I'm, it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, and it really is. It's like that. No matter what's happened through the day, there is an element that you have to give your best. You have to give your performance, but in most organisations, there is a slight ability to be able to maybe be a bit flexible with people's roles. And if someone's having particularly a rough day, and that that's the thing, it's a give and take. Um, the team, your team that might be battling something need to know that they have to have very open communication and very proactive communication and to be able to tell you prior to um, the situation getting worse or being able to come in, to being able to communicate that they're not 100%. Um, so communication is key, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and that can be really hard for some people to be proactive with their with their communication. But they have to be able to say, look, I'm not my best. Is there something we can do? And uh, I guess I'm lucky that we've got a lot of different roles in our organisation that we can move people around. Um, so perhaps they're less exposed to customer interaction or maybe a shorter shift or less um, stress, you know, potentially stressful environments. You know, in tourism and hospitality, you never know what hand you're going to be dealt until the day. You never know what disaster might happen or the dynamics of a customer or an unhappy customer or, or anything like that. So you kind of need to create a little bit of a buffer for people. And that adaptability, you know, is so important, isn't it? Yes, yes. For both the employer and the employee? Absolutely. What do you think makes or what would your definition be of a healthy workplace in terms of mental health? To reduce the stigma so that it's known that having a mental illness or not feeling mentally well is okay and that you can talk to someone about it. Um, having that language in formal uh, operations. So in our formal inductions, we do, we talk about it. We have an employee assistance program um, and make that known to all of our new employees and existing that uh, they're able to access three free counselling sessions with a professional and third-party counsellor. We don't receive their names. We just receive what department that they're in. So it's completely confidential. And that can be around anything um not just work if they're having a work issue, but it can be we encourage them if you're having personal struggles that that service is there for you to use. Um, is that something that your business developed as a result of your university studies or was that something you'd already had in place after this situation with the young girl with the eating disorder? No, it definitely was a, an, a result of my studies. I became aware I didn't realise that this program existed and towards the end of my degree I I heard about that there's these programs out there and that employ in um it's really great for organizations to be able to offer that to their team you know it's barely been used um by our team but the comfort that it's there if they want it um I feel very proud of I think for hospitality and tourism organizations it's um probably not something that would cut would cross many people's radar um but just having that there I think is really good and that induction process to make people feel comfortable and aware of it right from the get-go, that must be pretty important and something I'm assuming you would advise other business operators to initiate? Absolutely. I think that formal conversation to begin with, to know that if you are struggling with anything, to go to uh, someone that you feel comfortable with, in, with 
in the organisation. And that can be a colleague, that could be a supervisor, a manager, an owner. Um, Having a line of communication that anyone would feel comfortable with, um, I think is really important to articulate from the get-go. So I suppose I really would like to ask about, you know, the perception of mental health and the needs differing depending on the age Mm. of a person. Is that something that's an interesting um, thing that you've had to encounter? It is. In my studies as well, you sort of touch on generational differences and there's definitely generational differences that can be tricky to navigate. Um, I've had situations where I've needed to address certain behaviour issues that I've uh, observed um, in an older male that, you know, he was an employee and I was the boss, but I had to, I had to deal with it. And that it's really scary. It's very nerve wracking. Um, it's probably even more nerve wracking than speaking to someone who's younger than you um, because you kind of think that they're going to react in a way that is not going to be favourable. Um, they're going to feel as though it's more of a personal attack rather than it being um, in a place of uh, coming from a place of wanting to help. Um, I guess it's just putting your big girl pants on though and having to just do it, just finding the right time, obviously not before a shift. You don't do it in the middle of a shift. You maybe ask after a shift um, in a private setting or somewhere where you can talk quietly Um, and you just, all you need to do is just raise that you've observed a change in behaviour and that's also what um, you learn through the mental health first aid is that if you witness a change in behaviour, you need to act on it. If you think something's not right, um, it doesn't need to be at the at the spectrum of, oh my God, you think that they're going to take their own life. It It's just a little change. You know, you just notice that they're a bit down. They've been talking about maybe not sleeping or drinking a bit too much or, you know, not having any motivation. That can just, again, start the conversation. And you can just say, you've witnessed that, you know, you're feeling, you're looking a bit flat or are you okay? Is there anything I can help with? Do you need to talk to someone? And if they choose not to, then at least you've tried. But if you just push a little bit, you would be surprised how the floodgates will open and it's happened plenty of times, even like with a with a tradesperson, I've just sort of said, you know, how's it going? Is everything okay? And they just sort of opened up. Um, you just never know when someone's willing to give a little bit of themselves. And what about you? What about the manager? They're often forgotten about, you know, you're busy, trying to be everything to everyone, trying to keep it all together. How important is it to look after you? So important. Self-care, self-care, self-care is so important. Um, There's been, I'm a a terrible person for just taking on too much and I just go and go and go and go and go. And then I collapse. I fall in a heap. I get all emotional. I need to take a day off. But (laughs) I'm getting better at being preventative and that's the thing that, and that's so important as well in the professional world of psychology is that you have to make sure you keep yourself kind of protected. Um, you can end up with vicarious trauma very easily from hearing someone else's story or or being a bit too empathetic. So it's really important to find what works for you. I actually saw a really great diagram of kind of different personalities and what their rest time is. And that might be their rest time is not sitting or sleeping. It's someone who um, is an organiser. Their, their, um, their rest time is like saying, you know, kind of disorganising something or, or saying no to um, helping or, you know, finding something that makes you feel good in the context of your personality. 
So for me, that's... Saying no is hard though, isn't Saying it? no is really hard. <laughs> so, but for me, my self-care is just talking to my husband and my friends about, um, you know, how I'm feeling, uh, going for a walk, um, watching a horror movie. <laughs> I know, Sounds I'm a bit masochistic. <laughs> that's my indulgence. What about a rom-com? Yeah. <laughs> um, just trying to do different things as well, so going out for lunch is quite a treat for for me and my family. Um, finding the bit of self-care that works for you because not everyone has the same self-care. You know, my husband, he does meditation. He listens to motivational podcasts, goes for a run with his mates. Um, it's all trying to find what works for you. Very good advice. You've been involved in your hospitality industry for such a long time now and won numerous um, awards for, for your duties in the restaurant over the journey. Um, how have things changed in the industry of hospitality? Because I'm pretty sure I've heard lots of stories and they're probably too graphic to detail <laughs> about what went on in kitchens yes. back in the day. And I'm pretty sure mental health wasn't a, um, a consideration no, all. no. How has it, has it changed in every situation, do you think? I think so, yes. Um, the industry is really banding together to not work people to the bone. Um, a lot of really big and very reputable um, restaurants, particularly in Melbourne and Sydney, they're working on, um, you know, proper full-time weeks. So they're chefs in front of house do the 38, 40 hours and not the 70, 80 hours a week. Um, there's been so many awful, um, you know, deaths of suicide in the industry that have been very public because they've been um, high-profile people and that's really brought some important conversations into most restaurants, um, particularly in the chef world. Um, you know, the, there's a new organisation called the White Jacket Effect um, and they're doing some really great work in breaking down the stigma. The stigma is still there, but it really has improved a lot, even in the last five years, I would say, in the industry. People are willing to talk about a lot more campaigns like Are You OK? Um, are really, really great in just having those conversations. And it really is. It's just having those conversations breaks down the walls. How important is that um, work hour element? Like historically chefs did work the double shifts late at night, burnt the candle at both ends, yep. never conducive to happy people at the end no. of the day to go home to their families. That's right. I'm assuming there's a bottom dollar, a bottom line benefit of actually reducing their hours so that they're only working sensible, sensible amount of hours per week. Yeah, there's a, uh, you know, the team is certainly more productive when you're not working them to the bone. Uh, tourism and hospitality workers, we work unsociable times. We are working when everyone else is socialising and having fun. Um, so to to try and balance that a little bit um, and not have them work breakfast, lunch and dinner seven days a week, every weekend, um, just it contributes to the mental health of those people. And I'm assuming that gives other people opportunities to step up and fill in for those shifts that normally would have been filled by the, the head chef seven yeah, days a week. Right. They yep. need a break and yes. it gives other people an opportunity. Definitely. You know, the work-life balance is, is difficult and particularly in this industry, you really, you're re we're very passionate about what we do. So it's kind of a funny like FOMO as well. You don't really want to miss out on those sort of, you know, key services on your Friday, Saturdays or your weekend services. Um, but because you're so passionate about 
providing great service and providing great food and providing great experiences. But at the end of the day, it, it can be to your detriment if you're doing that day in, day out, seven days a week. So we've talked a lot about, you know, how um, employees can, you know, communicate and, and approach their their managers and talk about mental health. But how hard is it for the average business owner to actually initiate conversations and to instigate all of these programs if they haven't had the ability to to go to university and had all of that really great information that you've been able to eke out over the last so many years? Yeah, look, I, I'm very conscious of that when I, because I do a, a little bit of public speaking and I certainly don't want to say to every employer out there or every business owner, you need to go out and get a, a psychology degree. <laughs> um, but a little bit of understanding, a little bit of research. There's so many great documentaries out there. There's so many great books. Um, we just did a mental health first aid. So our management team um, did a, it's a two day course and that was really, really valuable. Um, what did that involve? It was... It's really great because from a psychological, from a psych student's perspective, I was very interested to see how they um, approach the course. And a lot of it is um, essentially, it's like a physical first aid certificate. So you're um, reacting in crisis and particularly in mental health, that is suicidal, suicidal thoughts or wanting, you know, thinking about um, dying by suicide, Um, psychosis and anxiety. Um, and so you do a lot of work on addressing how you would approach someone if you think that they are at risk or are going through that themselves. Um, but a lot of it, you start with the bio, biological, the, you call it in psych biopsychosocial um, model. So it's the biological, um, what's going on in the brain physically with all your neurons and hormones and all that sort of stuff. Um, touch on that briefly, the uh, psychological, so kind of things like um, your predisposition, your your um, your personality traits and, and how you think. And then you've got your social um, side. So that's environmental, your upbringing, you know, whether you were bullied in school, all that sort of stuff um, all contributes to your mental health. So that was a course that would be no different to going and learning how to do um, first aid, um, or occupational health and safety, yep. all of those courses that yep. we all get sent off to do That's it. In, in our different business lives. Is that something that you would recommend other people? 100%. I think every single person should do it because it just, it, it again breaks down the stigma. I think everyone would have, all of my team would have had an aha moment of either recognising it in themselves or an important person to them. And that might not be in a work scenario, that would be also in a personal scenario, but the the things you take away from it are incredibly valuable to everyday life and not just in a work sense. And I think too, things have just changed so much, haven't they? And that is great, but there is still that stigma and mm. people sort of, you still hear people saying, oh, suck it up, put on a brave face, you'll be yes. right, just do it. Yep. But we all as a society need to to be that little bit softer and and know better and do better, don't That's we? That's it. It's um you know the brain is such a complicated organ. It's the one organ that um a neuro when you study it you can't just open it up and look at it. It's not color coded. It's it's basically the only uh, medical degree that you don't really get to play with it as such. You just have to learn about all the things that are going on in it 
and not see it physically. Everything else is a muscle or a bone or an organ that you can kind of practice with and it's it's clear. But the brain, you know, we're only just really scratching the surface in terms of research and, and going forward with lots of, you know, great um, therapies to assist with, with, um, with mental illness. And I think too, if people are looking after themselves, they can provide better customer service, can't they? Absolutely. Yes. If they're happy and engaged, you will get, you will get your five-star reviews from your customers because they've felt valued and they have a great, such a great experience if that person's well. And do you find also they're better place to deal with those challenging customers that we all have? <laughs> yes. Yep. Absolutely. And you think, gosh, they're having a bad day. Well, yes. <laughs> you can actually break it down a little bit and be a little bit more empathetic. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And so from your perspective then, um, things are, are going well in your organisation as a result of that communication and and understanding? Definitely. I would say if I had to pull out some statistics, probably our retention rates have improved by 75%. Our turnover improved by about 30, 35%. Industry average for hospitality is 70% turnover, which is a huge amount. Um, most other industries are sort of like 40 um, and we've kept it down to about 30 to 40 percent and most of those are just because they've got they're moving um, interstate because their partners either finished study here or finished a contract so um, I feel like the work we've put in and that's not just from me that's the whole team it's it's all the owners it's all the managers being on board with um, being on board with that mental mental ill health is the norm Yes. We can't keep talking about mental health. It's mental ill health is the norm. The stats out there show it. We've all got personal experiences, friends, family that have suffered through it and mental well, mentally healthy is the anomaly. And is that something that's um, like it's important for every person, every business, but with your business in particular is such high end, um, you know, the PM pops into Launceston, he'll go and visit your Black Cow or Stillwater and, and you know, high-end uh, guests at your your tourism operations. Does that make it that even more, the spotlight's even more on it? Yes and no. I think for a small cafe or a two-operator um, organisation, you know, I just had a, a, a conversation recently with a, a farmer from down south and they only had a team of three and one of that one of those three died by suicide and it rattled the team you know it it was it was it had such an impact on them um they never saw it coming they had no idea and it opened up a lot of conversations for them you know it makes you feel like what could what could we have done you know those sort of guilt things which is a natural emotion to feel um but he's just you know, they're just a farmer. They make they make cheese. Like yes. it, it, it can impact from yeah a small organisation that's growing something, and they don't have a huge amount of customer interaction, right up to an organisation that has a huge amount of customer interaction. You know, our, our business is the guest. Um, I think it, it goes across every facet. So I think the key point then is just if you can make yourself aware, do the research, you're better placed to deal with it. If in if you ever have to have that horrible 
situation absolutely dealing with these yep. challenges yep there's some great podcasts out there as well about mental health there's just so much just to break down the stigma and I think when you realize that there's a biological side that most often people don't have a choice they've that it's what's going on in their brain the chemicals in their brain is so complicated um I think when you whittle it down to that and and not be like oh well, you know you hear it all the time as you said before you've got a house, you've got a job, you know, you've got a roof over your head, what, what's to be depressed yeah, about? But it, it's so much more complicated than that. And I think just putting that into perspective can help anyone. It is. So I think if we all can choose to be a bit kinder and a bit yep. more uh, understanding, I think yes. that would be a good starting point. Empathy, not sympathy. That's a very good one. Thank you. And I will just um, uh, say the Beyond Blue support service um, number as well, just in case anyone is grappling with these issues, is one three hundred double two four six three six. So that's for Beyond Blue. Thank you so much for for your time Thank today, you. Bianca. Um, good luck with your grand final <laughs> of uh, tourism hecticity yes. <laughs> in the uh, the coming coming weeks, and we look forward to hearing about the more success that no doubt Stillwater will have over the course of the next few years. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Well, that is uh, Bianca Welsh from Stillwater 7 and Stillwater Restaurant who, very, very busy young lady and not a wrinkle in sight. I'm very envious, um, but talking really about that importance of mentally healthy workplaces for morale, retention and also performance. So a big thank you to all of you for listening today. I hope you have got some value out of today's conversation. I know that I certainly have. Um if you have enjoyed the show, please tell your tourism colleagues to take a listen too. And uh, we'll be back in a fortnight with another conversation on Talking Tourism. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism. Talking Tourism.